myself. Uh, my name is Paul Dean, and I pastor uh, a small church in Greer, uh, Randall House Church, and uh, I've been the pastor of that church for uh, about 23 years. We did uh, relocate just a few years ago and change the name, but uh, nevertheless, it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful time there for me and my family and the the saints there, and we have uh, some connections with some folk here, and um, one of your church plants, um, formerly church at Greer Station, I guess it's Ridgewood Church now, is that right? Ridgewood with Trevor and um, Zach and a number of others. So anyway, thank you for uh, allowing me to be here. Um, I'm not really going to say much else about myself. I'm just going to go ahead and get started, and, and normally when, when, I, when I teach a, a session in a, in a setting like this, I try to engage in dialogue, but I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to uh, force that. If, you, if you've got a comment or a question, uh, brother, you want to say something? I haven't even started yet, man. I'm just, you good, you good. Yep. Uh, please feel free. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just going to try to move along a little bit because, you know, these breakout sessions, we try to cram as much as we can into the, into the time allotted. So anyway, that'll be up to y'all. Any questions before we get started? Comments? All right. Been good so far? Yeah. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, let's pray and then we'll wait in. My, this, by the way, just make sure you're in the right place. We're going to talk about prayer. Prayer when you're... Uh, suffering when you're hurting. Um, I've entitled the, the message um, Prayer When You're Hanging On by a Thread. So you'll see why I call it that in just a moment. But let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for bringing us here on a Friday night to fellowship with one another, to hear from you, to seek you, to praise you. Um, we're so overwhelmed that you would speak to us through your word. Uh, you've given it to us. And of course, it points ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ and um, what he's done for us, what you've done for us in him and through him. And so we obviously, anytime we come before you, want to give you praise uh, as the God of all grace and comfort and mercy, you're the one that comforts us in our time of need. And um, with the comfort that you give us, you enable us to comfort others. And we're so grateful for that. These are things that we cannot do in our own strength, but only by virtue of uh, your ministry to us, the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit in the lives of others. And so uh, we, we praise you and thank you for these things, and we ask you to uh, open our hearts to receive what you have for us, that we might be um, better prayer warriors, better um, in, in coming to you in, in not only our time of need, especially in that, but, but in all times, pray you'd help us and... Um, Lord, hide the faults of your, your servant and, and may the truth of your word come through. And if, if I say anything that's not helpful, then just help us to disregard that. We, we're going to trust you for these things and thank you for these things. And we give this evening to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So... I've already given you the title, so I'll give it to you one more time. Praying when you're hanging on by a thread. Um, you, you know, uh, people hurt all over the place. They hurt every day. You know that. You understand that. We could tell all kinds of um, trials that we've been through, that, that, that folk that we know have been through. And you just heard about um, the docs trial with his son and his family and, and all the rest, and um, we live in a fallen world. And, um, you know, I could share a lot of stories, but I uh, just want to wade in with, with this just brief account. I, I got one of those calls that, that pastors get. They don't want to get one of those calls in the middle of the night. Um, precious lady in our church, her husband had suffered a massive heart attack 
and um, they were on the way to the hospital. I got to the hospital not long after that, and sadly, four hours later, he died. And obviously, that's a, a, a devastating uh, experience. In fact, I'll be doing um, I'll be doing part of a memorial service in the morning um, for a, a young man, 43 years of age, who died unexpectedly of a heart attack just this past week. But nevertheless, um, this, this lady in our church, and, and the husband was in our church as well, he, he passed away, and this couple had experienced uh, a lot of grief um, in, in their lives. I remember standing with them as they wept over their son's grave, and that particular occasion was right after she had buried her father, same cemetery. And I also stood with them as they buried a daughter-in-law who had been killed in an automobile accident a few weeks earlier. And now here, this precious lady had lost her husband of 33 years. And as we stood there in that hospital waiting room, she asked me this question. She said, they say God won't put on you more than you can bear, but does God know when you're hanging on by a thread? And obviously that's where I got the title for what we want to talk about this evening. Sometimes it seems that God doesn't know that we're hanging on by a thread, doesn't it? Uh, sometimes um, it seems as if God doesn't know how we feel or what we're going through. There are times when uh, we think that we can't uh, endure uh, what we're experiencing. But if you come to the scriptures, you see that there are uh, lots and lots of uh, God's people who felt that way. I mean, we go to the book of Psalms. Uh, it's interesting, I just happened to uh, see this book sitting on the corner of the stage over here, and it's a book about lament and um, how we can approach God in, in prayer and, and how we can learn from the Psalms uh, in, in terms of approaching Him in prayer when we're suffering um, in the terrible, terrible ways that we do. And so the Bible is filled with God's people who feel that perhaps God uh, is not there. They know He is there, but they, I mean, we're just talking about how they feel in the moment. Um, the psalmist said, O Lord God of my salvation, I've cried out day and night before you, for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to the grave. I'm like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, who you remember no more. He's essentially saying that he feels like someone who's simply going down to the grave and God won't remember him anymore. He knows that's not the case, but that's how he feels. He's overwhelmed. And so what does he do? Well, he cries out to God, which is what we should do. That's just the point, that we, that we have a God who hears us. You might recall David himself crying out, I am weary with my groaning, all night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with tears. These are vivid pictures, aren't they? But they're real. And again, without being too repetitive, more than once David felt like God had abandoned him. In fact, that's the context of uh, that chorus that we sing as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. When David wrote that, he was in a desert of depression. He felt that there was no way out. And that's why he said in that same psalm, my tears have been my food day and night. Think about that. My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? When you have nothing to eat but your tears... You're hanging on by a thread, and perhaps some of you have experienced that, and um, I don't want to presume uh, one way or the other or presume on that, but um, that's certainly how we can feel. And of course, the answer to the lady's question, does God know when you're hanging on by a thread? The answer is yes, he knows. <laughs> he certainly knows, and we know that. We know that in times like this, and we need to be reminded of that in times like this so that when the tough times come that, that we don't lose our anchor, that we, that we know that God is with us even if it doesn't feel like it. I think the very fact that, that verses like these are all over the Bible tells us that God knows 
And, and when we read these verses and we read the outcome, we know that God has an endless supply of grace, grace to help in time of need. Paul said it this way. He said, no trial has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able. That's what the lady was quoting, isn't it? And God is gracious. He will not allow you to be tested beyond what you're able, but with the trial, he will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. So the things that we experience, they're, they're common to humanity. They're common to, to men and women, boys and girls everywhere because of this fallen world. And so that's, that's a, a, a small comfort in some sense. We're not the only ones who have experienced what we're going through, but... But Paul really says something about God and his faithfulness to us right here, doesn't he? Despite the fact that the winds of adversity blow, God does not forget those whom he loves. That's the issue. That's the reality. That's the promise. He knows there are times when you're hanging on by a thread. He cares. And he won't allow you to be tested beyond what you're able to bear. The text says he provides the way of escape. Now, the, the picture here, you might be familiar with it, but the, the picture is of a ship on, on the sea and there's a raging storm and the ship is being tossed to and fro and uh, perhaps there's a, a, a section of rocks and the, and the ship has no way to control itself because of the ferocity of the storm and it's being guided by the storm and the wind and the waves to the rocks and if it hits those rocks, it's going to founder, it's going to sink and all is going to be lost. And so here they are headed for the rocks, and, and at the last moment, there's a, there's a, there's a, little, there's a little opening in the rocks, and, and somehow the ship skirts through that little opening, and it finds itself in this protective cove. You've got rocks behind it, rocks on the front, and the storm is raging, but the ship is in this cove, and it's safe and sound in this cove. It's not that the storm is not raging any longer. It's that they have found the way of escape and now in the midst of the storm, they are protected. They can endure the storm in that place. And that's the picture that, that God, through the Apostle Paul, is giving us that, that the storm is not necessarily going to be over as God uh, ministers to us. He's going to give us the way of escape. But what does Paul say? That we might be able to endure it. So... The question then is, okay, well, what do I do? How do I, how do I get to this cove? How do I get to the place of safety? And I think part of the answer has to do with our thinking, and I don't want to camp out here too long, but part of the answer has to do with our thinking. Uh, we have to fight the tendency to think about nothing but the suffering that we face. I mean, that's where we are, and sometimes we, 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 we can't do anything else, but we have to fight. You know, the Christian life is a battle, isn't it? It's a real battle. And so if it's a battle, it presupposes there are times we're going to have to fight. We're going to fight against sin. We're going to fight in times of uh, despair. And so we're going to have to fight uh, to think uh, on God himself, uh, even in the midst of our suffering. We're going to have to fight According to Paul in Philippians, for example, we're going to have to fight to think about God's goodness, His love, His grace, His mercy, even His purpose for us. We might not know His purpose, but, but the fact that God has a purpose in the midst of our trials, that He's using this trial to work spiritual good in our lives, to conform us to the image of Christ. These are the things that we have to fight to think about. Peter tells us that... Uh, God uses trials to refine us like fire refines gold. So we're in the fire, as it were. Um, James tells us that the testing of our faith produces that endurance. God uses hardship like a blacksmith's hammer and anvil to make us more like Christ. Romans 8, I just referred to that a moment ago. And so I think more and more we have to focus our thoughts on Christ more than the difficulty in which we find ourselves. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's Hebrews 12, for example. And so difficult, difficult, difficult to do, but that's, that's why I say we have to fight for it. That's why Isaiah says that uh, 
you, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So that's the issue, trusting in the Lord. And back to Peter, he says what? He says, let us cast our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. And really, that's what we have to do in the midst of the storm. That's how we get to the cove. It, it involves our thinking, but, but that little line there, casting our care on Jesus because he cares for us, that's the second dynamic. That's the second thing we have to do. That's the prayer part. Casting our care on him. How do we do that? We pray. We pray. Even lament as the... As the psalmist says, and as this book points out, this book that I mentioned a moment ago, and say the book of Lamentations, which I actually read through this week uh, for the first time in a long time, just to be honest with you. Have you read through Lamentations lately? <laughs> Some of you may have because of what you're going through, but it had been a little while since I'd read through it. So let's think then about praying when you're hanging on by a thread. Praying when you're hanging on by a thread. I'm just going to put a few things on the table. We can't be exhaustive tonight. We just don't have the time. So hopefully this will be um, practical and helpful. And the first thing I'm going to put on the table is this. Praying when you're hanging on by a thread begins with a practice. Okay, so an ongoing dynamic. It begins with a practice of praying in a thoroughly biblical way. <laughs> now that's, you know... That kind of goes without saying in a sense. All, you know, Bible-believing preachers like to say stuff like that, right? Well, you gotta, you got you to regularly pray in a biblical way. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's what we're going to talk about for, for, for just a few moments. Uh, obviously, we all understand that prayer is a vital part of the Christian life. I mean, it goes without saying. If you're a Christian, you're, you're going to pray. But at the same time, we're pretty busy these days, aren't we? And so often uh, we, we, we're too busy, at least we, we, we think this way, um, we're too busy to cultivate uh, our prayer life. You might be aware that Martin Luther said, I have so much work to do today, I'd better spend two hours in prayer instead of one. So he thought the opposite of the way that we think sometimes. I'm so busy, I don't have time to pray. Well... He said he's so busy, he, he better pray double. And I think sometimes it, 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 it may be that, okay, we're really trying to, you know, you know engage in prayer, uh, you know, more than we have, or, or maybe we're trying to cultivate our prayer life. But sometimes when we pray, it's not necessarily always biblically robust, if I could put it that way. I mean, I could put it a number of ways, but... What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes prayer can be just a mere habit. Um, you, you know, we, we, we pray before we eat. And, uh, I, you know, sometimes we're, we're praying very, very sincerely. And, and sometimes even if we pray something really short, we're, we're definitely serious and we're sincere. But sometimes it's rather perfunctory, isn't it? Or maybe we're, we're, we're praying before a business meeting or... We get together with someone and we have a quick little prayer. And so sometimes it's just out of habit. Or sometimes we're praying really for just a list of things that we want to happen. You know, there, there are things that, that, that I pray for. I, I, I just want them to happen. And, and there's a sense in which there's nothing wrong for praying for what we want to happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm coming to that. But at the same time, if, if, if that consumes, if that's... If that's the lion's share of our prayer life, just, just this list of things that we want, well then, you know, we can do better than that, biblically speaking. Sometimes our prayers are self-centered. They're not really God-centered, not others-centered, not kingdom-centered. Sometimes they can be superstitious, right? You know, we just, uh, you know, boy, if I don't pray, something might happen. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying there are different... There are different things that prayer can become. And, and so we have to think about these things and, and, and answer this question, what is prayer? Well, prayer, you know this, it's just conversation with God, isn't it? And conversation means there's a back and forth. And so we pray to God, but we want to hear from God as well. Now, how do we hear from God? Well, we hear from God 
through his word. So I'm not talking about an audible voice or anything like that. I'm not even talking about impressions. I'm talking about God's word. So, so there's a dynamic there that, that we can think about for just a moment. Um, you know, we can certainly pray without a Bible in front of us. But maybe if we're cultivating our prayer life, maybe there are times, maybe a lot of times that we can pray with a Bible open, right? Maybe we can be looking at, uh, at the scriptures because, as I've said, God speaks through his word. And so, you know, maybe it's just that, that uh, we have God's word hidden in our hearts and that's fine. But I, I think of one example that perhaps we've all heard preachers talk about, or maybe you've talked about it, we need to pray the promises of God. You know, God's made a promise. There's a situation in which we find ourselves, and that promise seems to apply. We need to plead that promise to God. So that's part of what I mean by praying the Scriptures. We need to pray for spiritual maturity. Those are things that we see in the Scriptures. We need to ask God to help us overcome our sins. We need to confess our sins, obviously. And of course, we we need God to provide for us, so we can pray for that. And we should pray for that. We need help in time of need. We should pray for that. We we need for God to comfort us. We, we should pray for that and all the rest. In fact, Philippians 4 is one of my favorite texts. It's all the Word of God, but you're familiar with this one. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And watch this. And the peace of God, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul's in a Roman prison. He's looking at this Roman soldier. And he says, you lay your request before the Lord and... The peace of God, like this Roman soldier, is going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But he says something else in the very next verse. It has to do with how we started. It has to do with thinking. So he's saying, don't be anxious. You could say, don't be depressed. <laughs> Nothing wrong with grieving. But there's a difference in grieving and, 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 and being so depressed that you can't function. That's another issue for another Breakout session, perhaps, but uh, be anxious for nothing and all things pray. But then he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things um, are just and pure and lovely, uh, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, listen to this, meditate on these things. Think on these things. So he's saying, reorient your thinking. You're anxious about something, you're, you're depressed about something, then pray and then reorient your thought life. Think about the Lord. And, and again, I said that a few moments ago, but here it is right here in God's Word. And watch what he says next. Also, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. So, so be about the, the business that God has given you to do. Be, be a faithful Christian. So pray, think, do... And what does he say at the end? The God of peace, not just the peace of God, but the God of peace will be with you. What a tremendous dynamic. What a tremendous reality. I, I remember years ago, my mom's with the Lord now, but some years before uh, uh, he, he took her home, uh, she uh, had had a heart attack. And she had surgery scheduled for the next day around noon. And, uh, I mean, this is a long time ago, and I was very, very worried about my mom, as anyone would be. And I remember uh, going to bed that night, the surgery was the next day, and I'm just praying for God to take care of my mom. That's what I'm praying for. And brothers and sisters... I prayed that over and over and over and over and over. I could go on. That's all I was doing. And I could not get to sleep. I must have prayed for two hours. Literally, I'm tossing and turning and I'm praying because I'm worried. I'm fearful. I, I, don't, I don't want to lose my mom. It's a serious business. And, this is what, and, and I, by God's grace, I suddenly realized I'm not praying. I'm really not. 
I'm, I'm just reciting a mantra of some kind. And, and, and I'm not doing what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, be, don't be anxious, but pray. Well, all right. But he also says, when, when you pray, then think on him. <laughs> and I realized I was being superstitious or something. Whatever it was, it certainly wasn't biblical. That's part of what I'm trying to get at. And so I asked God to forgive me. I, I, I repent. I confess. And uh, I prayed that. Prayed he'd take care of my mom. I began to praise him for who he is. And to thank him for the good things that, that, that he's given me and my family in Christ and all the rest. And I'm, I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating, within 10 minutes I was asleep. The peace of God. The peace of God had overtaken me. That's the issue. So again, what we're talking about is developing this, this prayer life even before the trial. That's what I'm talking about. Um, how many of you are familiar? I don't want everybody to go to sleep here because I've just been talking. I'm sorry. How many of you are familiar with David Pallison? You heard of David Pallison? Okay, some of you. Yep. He's with the Lord now too, but uh, a biblical counselor. And he's helpful, I think, in, in this area. I came across some of his teaching on this particular subject, prayer, in general, a few years ago. And he says that basically there are two kinds of prayer. And you see it in the Psalms. You, you've got prayers of need and you've got prayers of gratitude. Now, it's not that you can't expand on that, but he's painting with a broad brush here. And so you've got these Psalms of need, heartache, guilt, suffering, that kind of thing. Then Psalms about... Gratitude, joy, boldness, confidence. And he says this, that most of the first 90 psalms are in the need category. Now, there, there, there are some of the praise psalms there, but most of the first 90 are, are need prayers. And most of the last 60 are gratitude psalms. Interesting. And, and there's some that, that, that have both. Um, But it's interesting when you think about the Psalms and, and what I've been trying to say about prayer, prayer life, cultivating, using the scriptures. Um, Donald Whitney, anybody familiar with Donald Whitney? He, he, he came to our church a, a number of years ago. This is literally, I hate to even say it, it's almost 30 years ago. But anyway, that's how old I am. But uh, he came to our church a, a long, long time ago. And he, he was teaching on prayer. He was teaching on praying through the Psalms. And he gave us something that, that was helpful for me. And I haven't been faithful all these years. It, I, I've gone back and forth. That's the way we are, isn't it? I mean, I'm just being honest. It's so helpful, and yet I'll put it down, but then I'll pick it up again. But it, it, it's so helpful. He, he would say, you know, you've got a Psalm of the day. So you start with Psalm 1, and you know, that's your psalm of the day, and you come to it, and you, you, know, you read it, or you pray through it. What do you mean, pray through it? Well, you just kind of you know, read it, and, and if something applies there, you offer that to the Lord. If there's a praise, if there's a thanksgiving, if there's a need that you have, I mean, you're communing with God. This is not, uh, this is not some kind of a gimmick. I mean, you're trying to commune with God and hear from God through His Word and all the rest, so... You know, 30 days, you, 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 you cover 30 psalms. And so like today is the 16th, the psalm of the day today is Psalm 16. Now what if I've already prayed for the, for the, for the first 30? Well, let's say that I'm, I'm in the second month. Well, you take 30 and add 16, so today's psalm of the day would be 46 if I'm in my second month. You get the idea. And in five months, you've prayed through the whole book of psalms and you start over. And I've personally found it to be very helpful because it breeds familiarity with God's Word. It breeds familiarity with the kinds of prayers that, that you see in the Psalms, for example. It helps us to pray in different ways. It's amazing how God's providence is operative in, in a situation like that. You're just, you're, just, you're just reading God's Word and talking to the Lord. Not trying to sound pious in your prayers. It's a conversation. I want to stress that as I've mentioned no set formula. 
And I think your prayer life will take on a richer and broader dynamic because you're not just praying for the typical sick list. There's nothing wrong with praying for folk who are sick, but if that's all we do, again, that's a problem. Now, Pallison, David Pallison, back to him, he gives us three more categories concerning prayer. He talks about circumstantial prayers, wisdom prayers, and kingdom prayers. And this is what you see in the Psalms. That's a breakdown of the, the need and the, and the gratitude. So under those headings, circumstantial wisdom and kingdom. Circumstantial prayers, you're asking God to change your circumstances. All right? Things like heal the sick, give us daily bread, protect me from suffering and evildoers, make our political leaders just. That, that, that's, that's a you know, an appropriate one. Convert my friends and family. I mean, got a neighbor across the street I've been praying for for a long, long time and sharing with him from time to time. Make our work and ministries prosper. Provide me with a spouse. Maybe there's some young person in, in, in here or in the church here that, that needs a spouse. Uh, quiet the storm. Send us rain. Give us a child. On we go. These are circumstantial prayers. All right? And then wisdom prayers. Wisdom prayers... You're asking God to change you. Okay? So, circumstantial, I'm asking God to change my circumstances. Wisdom, I'm asking God to change me, to deepen my faith, to teach me to love others better, uh, to forgive me, to make me wise where I'm foolish. Boy, I wish I'd known about these kinds of prayers when I was 22. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest there. Uh, Lord, help me to know you better. Enable me to sanctify you in my heart. Don't let me dishonor you. Give me understanding of your word. Teach me how to encourage others. And on we could go. Wisdom prayers. And then thirdly, there are kingdom prayers. And that's when we ask God to change everything. <laughs> We're asking God uh, to reveal himself more fully to, to others. To magnify the degree to which his glory and rule are obvious. Uh, his kingdom come. You think of the Lord's prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be exalted above the heavens, Lord. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let your glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Come, Lord Jesus, thinking about the revelation, and on we could go. So, these are the kinds of prayers that we need to be praying routinely. That's my point. And you see all three categories in the Lord's Prayer. You really do. And that's, 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 Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer to teach us to pray. And I think also I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some of Paul's prayers. You guys are familiar with Paul's prayers. Let me just give you a couple of examples. This is Philippians 1. This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Do we pray like that? <laughs> Maybe you do, but I don't always pray like that. And, and, and I want to pray like that more, not so I can be super spiritual, just because I just, I, just, I just want to pray like God wants me to pray and see God work. you got a similar prayer in Colossians one, I'm not going to read it, it's a little bit longer, but you get the idea. Let me put it this way. We need to grow up in our prayers. We need to grow up in our prayers. I was eating at uh, <laughs> this, this hibachi steakhouse recently. Uh, it was for lunch. And um, we were talking back and forth to the chef. And um, talking with some friends and, you know, they were talking about, the, 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 this happened to be right near my home and just talking about the area. I said, yeah, I mean, because the chef knew me and uh, they, were, they were surprised at that. My friends, it's like, well, there's only two restaurants I go to literally almost every day. It's, it's here and on the border, which is a Mexican restaurant. I just love Mexican. And uh, if I were in this part of the world, I'd be up at Los Compadres most of the time or somewhere else uh, you'd have to tell me about. But anyway, so a little bit into the, the meal, our chef, and, and of course, uh, he's Asian, and I know where he's from. In fact, he's from Micronesia, but uh, anyway, uh, he, uh, Polynesian, I guess, would be more proper. But anyway, um, 
uh, he, he shouts over to one, one of his co-workers, uh, I'm not sure where he's from, but uh, he, he says, hey, I, I need some mustard sauce. And his co-worker just looked at him and smiled, and he said, no. <laughs> and so he asked him again, and he said, no. And so he had to leave the table and go get some mustard sauce, and he comes back, and he's like, I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. And a little bit later, he, he needed something else. He yelled across, same guy. He said, lemon juice, lemon juice. And the guy's just smiling and shaking his head. And he looks at me and he goes, what, what are we at on the border? I mean, am I speaking Mexican or what here? <laughs> For whatever the reason, his coworker wasn't understanding him. They were speaking different languages. And we need to know the language of biblical prayer. Sometimes some of these things are foreign to us, but if we're going to pray, particularly by way of lament, then we're going to have to know the language of Scripture. It's not that we have to repeat it by rote, but the kind of language that we see in Scripture, the kind of ways that, that the biblical writers pray. That's what I'm talking about. So praying when you're hanging on by a thread uh, it begins with the practice of praying in a thoroughly biblical way. Now, secondly, praying when you're hanging on by a thread, it flows from a certainty that God hears you no matter what. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rush through this a little bit because I can already see. This is, this is why I didn't encourage Q&A. If you've got a question or a comment, please, but I'm, I'm not just waiting for it. But, but the certainty that God hears you no matter what. So if we're grieving, we cry out to the Lord. Why? Because, I mean, He hears us. That's the point. And so we know that, first of all, because the intercessory work of Christ on our behalf. I mean, when Jesus tells us to pray this way, and He gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer, He assumes that we pray, first off. So if he assumes that we pray, the implication is that he hears us. Paul tells us to pray. He says, pray without ceasing, right? Jesus has told us how to pray, so put those things together. Paul in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing but pray. So all of these things presuppose that God hears us. But how about Hebrews 7, and there are a number of other places I could go to. It says the same thing. Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. So right now... Jesus is interceding for you. And you pray, and Jesus is interceding for you. There's a sense in which you, you pray by the Spirit, through the Lord Jesus, to the Father, if that makes sense. You can, you can pray to, to any person of the Godhead. There's only one God, but, but, but typically through the, uh, by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father, if that makes sense. And Jesus, the Son, by virtue of His uh, atoning work and and his, his seat at the right hand, and his intercessory work now, he hears us and he intercedes for us. Hebrews 4, 14, seeing that we have a great high priest. He, he's the only high priest that we have, but we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, watch this, come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right? These are things that are familiar, but we're just nailing them down. And then... You've got the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You've got the intercessory work of Christ, but you've got the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So Romans 8, what does Paul say? Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. So we're weak. We're frail. So the Spirit also helps. Now watch this. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Now there are times where we're just off base, but there are times where we're so overwhelmed, we're so engulfed in the trial that we don't even know what to say. Have you ever been there? And, and, and Paul has all of these things and, and more in view. But he says, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
This is not us groaning. This is the Spirit communicating through the Son to the Father on our behalf. We can't understand that. But He's praying for us, if, if you just want to put it that way. And then Paul goes on to say, Now He, God, who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He, the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So all I'm saying is these are tremendous realities and, and God hears you. Um, we, we've got uh, three elders in our church in addition to, to myself. And they make fun of me a lot because they'll call me. They'll call my cell phone and I'll see their name pop up. And a lot of time I just let it roll to voicemail because I'm busy. Right? And I, I milk that just a little bit, just, just between us. But... Uh, but they make fun of me. They say he never answers his cell phone. And that's true. But, but my wife calls. I see her name. Or my children. Immediately I'm going to answer. Right? Different dynamic. I, I can get back to those guys. I listen to what they want to talk about. Or they'll shoot me a text or whatever. But listen, my wife calls. My children call. I'm going to answer. Well, how much more the Lord Jesus? How much more the Lord Jesus? So praying when you're hanging on by a thread begins with this practice of praying in a thoroughly biblical way, flows from a certainty that God hears you no matter what, and it's rooted, now listen, it's rooted in a wisdom that comes from seeking the Lord. Now, real quick, I'm, 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 I'm going to go to book of James real quick, and he says, my brethren, this is chapter 1 verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So the idea is, is that trials are a part of life, right? And he says you fall into, the, the, the Greek word there is a compound word, peri, from which we get periscope, or perimeter, means around, and then pipto, which means to fall. It means that the trials are falling all around you. How about that? Why? Because we live in a fallen world. And so I, the picture that I get in my mind is, is when it's raining outside, those are individual raindrops, right? But there's so many, you, you, you go outside, you're not going to be able to step between the individual raindrops unless it's just starting as one here and one there. But once it's raining, you know, it's not like a, a, a sheet of water, but there's so many raindrops, you're going to get hit by some of them, right? And so trials are falling all the time. You're going to get hit by some of them. There's a reason for trials. We don't have time this evening to delve into that but sometimes again we experience trials God's providence he's in charge of all of it but because we live in a fallen world and these trials again James says they're various variegated multicolored it's the same word uh, the Greek translation of the of the word that was used to describe Joseph's coat of many colors so these multicolored trials you know, sometimes it's fiery trials, intense encounters or struggles. You know, maybe we're dealing with, with our own sin, bursts of anger perhaps, infirmities, physical limitations, reproaches, you know, where people ridicule us or reject us because of our faith or maybe even persecution for, for you know, obviously some believers in some places. Uh, uh, we, we've got all kinds of trials. I don't, I don't have to chronicle them for you. Temptations, whatever. But through it all, the point is, even though trials are falling all around us, even though life has unexpected twists and turns, that God is working them for our good. We've made this point, but what we need to do is think about or consider the good that God is doing. Because Paul says, count it all joy, doesn't he, when you fall into these various trials. And when these trials are falling around you, count it all joy. Does that mean, you know, I'm happy when I'm going through a, a, a major crisis? Well, no, but it means that I can find a peace in the Lord. I can find a joy in the Lord. So I consider it or I reckon it joy, but, but ultimately, why? Because God's doing something. He says the reason that you can count it all joy when you fall into these various trials 
Because you know that the testing of your faith, you know that you know that you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And then what does he say? And this is something else we have to do. He says, but let endurance have its perfect work in you, that you may be complete and perfect, lacking nothing. So keep enduring to get the full benefit. Keep enduring to to reach the goal. Let patience have its perfect work. The word perfect is the Greek word teleos, which refers to the goal of something. So let endurance produce the goal in you that God has in mind. That's the issue. I was thinking about Apollo 13 the other day. It just, it, just, it just popped up somewhere. I don't know, some kind of an ad or something. And, and you remember Apollo 13 where, you know, they're, they're on the way back from, from the moon. I guess they never were able to land because something went wrong. I can't remember all the details. And one thing after another kept going wrong. And they, the, the scientists down there at, at, at Houston had to build stuff there at Houston and send it up to the, you know, communicate it up to the, astronauts there, Commander Lovell and all the rest, and, and they had to build it from the stuff they had on. You remember all this? And we weren't sure they were going to make it home. This, this, is, the, this is the flight where, where, where Lovell radios in and says, Houston, we have a problem, to say the least. Well, they were there three days, near freezing temperatures, because they had to conserve energy and all the rest, and everything they did you know whether it was changing the the the, the CO2 or 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 turning this off and that off and enduring the temperatures and all the rest everything they did was in order to reach the goal what was the goal to get home and 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 this is what James is talking about every Everything that's happening in our lives, God is, is at work so, so that he might conform us to the image of his son so that ultimately we might get home. We're, we're saved by grace through faith. We're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But, but he's sanctifying us and, and, and preparing us for eternity all the while. You understand that. So you gotta, you got to keep enduring. And how do you do that? Well... You ask for wisdom, and this is where the prayer comes in. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Now listen to this. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, I wish I had time to unpack all of that. I don't. But the idea is you got to ask God for wisdom. This is the prayer. Wisdom in general, but wisdom in the trial. This is part of how we pray when we're in the midst of the, of the trial. How, how to navigate the trial. What to do. What to focus on. Sometimes we need wisdom to know how to rest in Christ. Sometimes we need wisdom to know how to love those who have wronged us. Sometimes we need wisdom to know how to fix a problem or, or how to deal with multiple problems at once. It might be financial, relational, health, with yourself, a loved one. How to deal with your heart. How to, how to move past deep hurts. How to be a light to others in the midst of your trial. I mean, it could be any number of things, but this is what we're to pray for when we experience the trial. And it seems that sometimes they're so random, but... Again, God is still on the throne. Well, let's move along very quickly. This is praying when you're hanging on by a thread. It's rooted in a wisdom that comes from seeking the Lord. And it includes honestly and specifically crying out to God for His mercy. I picked up that book on on, uh, the stage. I just want to make sure I was doing this right. I read uh, the back, I read the table of contents, and, you know, praise the Lord. This, this, I think this is the heart of the book, praying honestly and specifically. In other words, not just praying, but crying out to God for His mercy. 
If, 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 if you were to turn to Psalm 88, in fact, you can do that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just here's one example. Psalm 88. Starts off, O Lord God of my salvation, I've cried out day and night before you. Well, there's an acknowledgement of God, and, and there's a statement of what He's doing. Verse 2, let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. He's asking God to hear him. Then he tells him what's going on. Verse 3, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I'm counted with those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man who has no strength, to drift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, who you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. That's the one that I read a moment ago. Then he affirms that God is in the midst of this trial. God's sovereignty you have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. He's, he's not angry. He's just acknowledging God's sovereignty. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. And he's, and he's, letting, he's letting him know how he feels about it. And he, Again, he's, he's weighted down. That's the issue. You have afflicted me with all your waves. You've put away my acquaintances far from me. You've made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Isn't that all uh, raw and honest? And specific? And then, listen to this, he makes an argument. He makes an argument in verse 10. Will you work wonders for the dead? In other words, if I die, you're going to work wonders then? Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? In other words, you spare me, I'm going to be declaring your loving kindness. I can't do that if I'm dead. He's making an appeal. He's making an argument. Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark? And your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't always pray like that. And, and, and sometimes when I do, <laughs> personally, I'm like, Lord, I know you're sovereign. I trust you. I'm not, I'm not, not being ugly here. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not criticizing him. That's just me. I'm just being honest. But, but this is raw. This is honest. And here it is in the Word of God. It's an example to us. He tells God how he feels, verse 13. But to you I've cried out, O Lord, in the morning my prayer, my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I mean, he, he is hurting. You can see this. I've been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. You know, I've got an eight-year-old grandson. I know I don't look like a granddad, but nevertheless, I've got an eight-year-old grandson. And um, isn't it funny how dad jokes are not funny and granddad jokes are worse? But anyway, um, I appreciate the sympathy there. But, you know, he, he's like a typical eight-year-old, rambunctious, active, all the rest. But sometimes he'll get quiet. And he won't, I mean, literally, he won't say a word. And we'll say, what's wrong, buddy? What's going on? Dad's saying it. I'm saying it. My wife's saying it. What's wrong? And, and he won't say anything. And we have to continue. And we've got to teach him. We've got to train him. But, but that, we're in that phase. But he's he just quiet. And, and, and we tell him, if, if you don't tell us what's going on, we don't know how to help you. Have we done something that, that's made you upset? You know, we'll, we'll ask him that. And then eventually he'll tell us what's going on. But that's just the point. We want to help him. We're not angry at him. And, and that's what we're saying, buddy. you got to communicate with us so that we can help you. Well, again, how much more the Lord Jesus Christ? He, want, he knows what's going on. Trust me. 
But he's commanded us to pray. And we can have theological debates about his sovereignty, a man's responsibility, and how they merge and how they don't merge, and they merge in eternity and the mind of God and all that. But the bottom line is he's told us to pray, right? And we've got these examples right here. So praying when you're hanging on by a thread, this, this, we're just going to have to, I'm going to put the last dynamic on the table, <laughs> but honestly and specifically cry out to God for his mercy. That's what we need to do. There are times when we have to do that. And then lastly, praying when you're hanging on by a thread involves taking God at his word and then preaching it to yourself. Taking God at his word and then preaching it to yourself. And again, I'm going to do a little more than read this, but Psalm 42, probably already familiar with it, but I, I quoted the first verse here a moment ago, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Now listen to this. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears, see, there's the context. My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? So here's another one of those laments. He's raw and he's honest. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. And watch this. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. The implication is he's not doing that right now because of the situation in which he finds himself. But watch this. He begins to speak, preach. I say preach to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And now here he says, hope in God. Now who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In other words, I'm in the midst of the, the throes of despair right now, but I know one thing. I, I know that I have a hope in the Lord, and there's coming a time when I'm going to praise him for the help of his countenance, for the help of his face, his presence. He's going to help me. I know that. So I'm preaching to myself to reorient my thinking, <laughs> to have hope in the Lord. So then he goes back, verse 6, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you. So now I'm thinking about him. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mazar. Deep calls in a deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord, now watch this, will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He's in charge. I will say to God my rock. Now watch this. Back to the lament. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with a breaking of my bones. Again, vivid word pictures. My enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Now here we go. Here's a repeat of verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's preaching again to himself. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Now by the way, did you see the difference between verse 5 and verse 11? It says the exact same thing until the last phrase. Verse 5, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, for the help of his countenance. His face, and then in verse 11, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance, the help of my face from being downcast to being lifted up, the help of my countenance and my God. So take God at his word and preach it to yourself. In the end, that's what prayer, when you're hanging on by a thread, is all about. God's presence and his presence making the difference in your life. I've got one minute. Questions or comments? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no? You guys have been so patient, so attentive. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. It's such a well. We, we could spend hours in it and still not reach the bottom. You, 
We spend our lifetime and not reach the bottom. What am I saying? But in terms of this, this subject, to wrap our heads around it. So please, 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 will you do the work that you alone can do, Father, and give us something that we can take home uh, in our hearts and in our prayer lives that, that uh, we might um, have a more robust prayer life in general and that, and that when the trials come, that, that we'll get the peace that we need from you as we cry out to you. Help us, Lord, and help us to help others again with the comfort with which you've comforted us. And we'll give you thanksgiving and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Lord bless you. I need to open that door to signal that we're done. Or does it, or does it matter? Mentioned you. Well, no, no, very positive. Praise the Lord. I appreciate well, you uh, taking an interest in him. Come, he used to come to the Friday morning prayer. Yes.